We are continuing in our study of the book of Acts, and I, I want you to know that, that, that it's really easy. There's two parts that we'll all be reading today that are, that are very difficult to kind of stick with it. Like even when I'm reading it just in my mind, in, in my uh, study, I'm, I'm like, okay, just stay with it. I, I'm, I'm losing track of, uh, of kind of the thought because I don't know the names of these cities. I don't know the names of these people. And it's really hard. But, but what I want you to see is that we're reading history today. That's what we're reading. And we are, we're going to read this historical account of this little boy, I think I've mentioned this before, who, who fell out of a window. So that's an exciting part of the story. But there's other parts where it's just a travel itinerary. So it's really easy to kind of lose focus in the midst of this travel itinerary. But, but uh, I, I say that just, to, just in a, we're reading history. And we're going to be talking about history and um, particularly the life of Paul today. That's what we're going to be doing. So we're in Acts chapter 20. We're looking at verses 1 through 16. I'm going to read it, but I just want to encourage you to stay with me. Stay with me as we, as we kind of look at Paul, where he goes, what he does, all of these things, and as we study the life of Paul. So Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Here now the reading of God's word. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopatar the Berean, son of Phrys, you say that, accompanied him and of the Thessalonians. Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed. For his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Azos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Azos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos. And the day after that, we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to set sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. I hate Christian biographies. I'll let you sit that in, okay? I hate Christian biographies. Not long ago, I finished reading the biography of a Presbyterian minister who seemed more like an angel or an apostle than a mere man. 
There wasn't any mention of his warts or his insecurities or his struggles, no mention of skeleton in closets, just one seemingly incredible story after the other. Success, 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 success. Good for him, I thought. I hate Christian biographies. And here's why. As a Presbyterian minister myself, I want you to know this. I have nightmares of my own about my own insecurities. I struggle to write the very messages that I communicate to you regularly. I can't tell you the number of times that I get stuck trying to make the right decisions about decisions that are not necessarily black and white. When I compare myself to these guys who had success after success after success, I think, what's the point of this all? I hate Christian biographies. But you know what? They're really important. Even though I hate them, even though I can feel deeply insecure about myself when I read them, I understand that they are so vitally important to read and to study and to process. If we don't study the biographies of the, of the, the faithful saints before us, we will miss out on so much. We will miss out on the wisdom that they have. We will miss out on, on the God who works in spite of people like myself. We will miss out on so much and we will think thoughts that are not good. We need to study those who have gone before us. We need to study the mistakes that they've made, even if they make very few, that we might not have the same uh, mistakes, make the same mistakes, or even have the insecurities that we do. And that's what I want to do this morning with the Apostle Paul. If there's any Christian that's to be studied, it is him. He is the preeminent Christian outside of Christ. He is it. And it is so important for us to look at him. And, and I, want to, I want you to see this, that as, I, as we approach the text that we just read, what I want you to see, I mean, there's, there's a, lot that, a lot of different ways that we can approach Acts chapter 20, a lot of different ways. But I want us to approach the man named Paul and, and use this text kind of as a window into this preeminent Christian named Paul. So if you will, I'm going to do a biography. And Lord willing, you won't hate it. Lord willing, you will be deeply encouraged by it and not discouraged. But I'm going to give you this biography in three chapters. And of course, I'm going to summarize it with an epilogue. So there's three chapters that I want you to see in the life of Paul that we might learn from it. And if this is popping, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know, I'm popping it. So three chapters, the life of Paul. Here we go, three chapters. Chapter one, let's look at Paul's perseverance. In the first seven verses of chapter 20, we encounter this long list of locations that Paul visits. We also encounter a lot of different names that even I struggle to write. We can think, ah, what's going on here? And indeed, it's a travel itinerary with people that he's with. What do we make of this? Well, here's what we can make of it. The places that he visits are not just just by, by happenstance that they're, they're located in it. Just take verse 1 and 3. It mentions the same city or, or the same region at the same time, this, the region of Macedonia. Verse 1 and verse 3. He goes to Macedonia, leaves, then goes back to Macedonia. It's quick. We think nothing of it until we remember what Macedonia is. Macedonia is a region kind of like 
the way that Arkansas is a region. And in this region of Macedonia is perhaps one of the most preeminent Christian cities. And you see this in verse 7, Philippi. Philippi is at the center of Macedonia. It's the hub of Macedonia. And what is in Philippi? Does anyone remember Acts chapter 16? Some of the most incredible stories of God's power, some of the most incredible stories of God's work in the lives of people. Perhaps you remember Lydia, the seller of purple goods. She, in a moment, was converted to Christian faith by the waters of Philippi. Perhaps you remember the little girl who had the python spirit, who Paul annoyingly looked at her and said, get out of her serpent, and the spirit left her. This is all in Philippi. And then the people got so frustrated that Paul was to free her from her python spirit, which was advantageous to all the men in this area, that they put Paul in prison. And do you remember what happened to Paul in prison in Philippi? An earthquake started shaking the jail. The doors came off, and the, the, the jailer was so afraid for his life that he was going to lose it because the, the prisoners had escaped. But Paul, he stayed put. And the jailer, this hardened man, likely, became a follower of Jesus. This all happened in Philippi, in Macedonia. When we read this story, we read the story of Paul and where he's been and what he's done. But what we see is Paul continually going back to these places. And what we see in his continually going back to these places where he experienced much persecution, much hate, is we see his perseverance. Paul was considered a zealot. He was a zealot before the Lord brought him to faith in Acts chapter 9. But his zeal was for the persecution of Christians. But when the Lord brought him to himself, the Lord made him zealous for the Christian church and faith. Nothing stopped this man from encouraging the saints. He was zealous. He persevered in the face of persecution. He persevered in the face of trials and tribulations. He persevered, he persevered, he persevered. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians as he's writing to the church about his perseverance. He says, Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposures. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He persevered. I coach ice hockey here in town, and I love it. Ice hockey is not an easy sport. And there's this little girl on my team who started playing this year. And she perhaps is one of my favorite, other than my son, who's on my team as well, She's my favorite player on the team, and here's the reason why. I have never encountered someone who has the perseverance that she does. She struggles to skate. She's strong, she's fast, but she struggles to skate. And I don't know about you, if you've ever been on ice skates, it's slippery. And if you get going fast and you struggle to skate and struggle to stop, you're going to fall, and you're going to fall hard. 
And this little girl falls hard all the time. And yet she gets up time and time again. Just this last week, she fell on the ice and her head, I mean, it, I was like, oh my, she's gonna be out. Hit it so hard, but she pops back up and goes 100 miles an hour again. There's something about that girl that makes me go, what is it that makes you tick? And the, the perseverance you have to get back up and to go 100 miles an hour again after falling like that over and over and over again, I wanna know what, that, what, what caused you to do that. I asked the same question of Paul. What enables you to persevere in the face of hardship? What a man. What a man that we encounter in these seven verses, which, which to us can just seem like it's nothing. But it, to us, what we see is a man whose perseverance is exemplary. So chapter one, we see what a spirit that this man has, a perseverant spirit. But let's go to chapter two. Chapter two, what we're gonna see is Paul's power. Paul not only has incredible perseverance, but he's got power. In this chapter that we just read, we encounter the power of Paul through this fascinating story of this boy named Eutychus. You recall the church had gathered together on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, and Paul started to preach and preach and preach. Now, I love the details that Luke, the author, gives. He says there's lanterns in the, in the room, and he kept preaching. And it was likely getting warmer and warmer and warmer. And poor Eutychus was, was likely, the way that the Greek word forms this, it was likely a boy between the ages of 8 and 14. So give you an idea of what this little boy was. And he was sitting in the windowsill, and he was trying his best, wasn't he, to hear Paul? I mean... He was trying, but sleep overcomes him, and unfortunately, he's sitting in a windowsill, and he falls out, and he's dead. Now, I love what Paul does in this moment. He approaches Eutychus, and he says to the people that are around him, he says, do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Now, I want you to know that when I read this, I can't help but think of Miracle Max from Prince's Bride, who claimed that Wesley was mostly dead. Now, for those of you that haven't watched the movie, you need to go and watch this movie. <laughs> Mostly dead is slightly alive rather than all dead. So if you want to know, this is what I picture Paul. Like, oh, no, he's got life in him. But what's really happening, what I want you to see is that Paul is resuscitating this boy who was dead. He had incredible power. And these people, when they went away, they were not a little comforted, which is just another way of saying they were greatly comforted by Paul's power. Now, what do we make of Paul's resuscitative power? What do we make of it? How do we understand this incredible power that Paul has? Like, we can, we, we, do we have this power? <laughs> no, we don't. But what we do is we say, well, were there any other individuals who had this resuscitative power in the scriptures? Indeed, there were. Two characters in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha, had resuscitative power. These men were the preeminent prophets of the Old Testament. They were the ones that we needed to listen to, that the people of God were required to listen to, and the resuscitative power of people who were dead showed the people that these men needed to be listened to. Who else had resuscitative power? Jesus had resuscitative power. 
Jesus brought back to life the son of the widow of Nain. Jesus brought back to life Jairus' daughter who had fallen sick and then dead. Jesus had resuscitative power with Lazarus. He was someone who needed to be listened to. Prophetic powers that lends us to believe that his voice needed to be listened to. But Peter himself, the apostle Peter also had resuscitative power when he brings Dorcas back to life in Acts chapter 9. These are four examples of other men who had resuscitative power. But here's what I want you to see. The power of all these men always was a point to the words that they said. That these are not just any ordinary men in the scriptures. These are men who needed to be listened to. That when they speak, they speak with the very authority of God. They have that kind of power. And Paul had this power. Consider Acts 19, 11, and 12. It's a really another fascinating story. It's not resuscitative power, but it shows you Paul's power. There we read that God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs or the aprons that he had touched, his skin, were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Paul's power was incredible. Unlike what we, we rarely ever see, what we don't see to this day. But that's because Paul's power pointed you to his words. And do we have the words of Paul, church? <laughs> do we ever? The vast majority of the New Testament consists of Paul's writings to the church. They're his epistles. His power points us to his word. He had incredible power. It's something we should study, but we're going to keep going. We've looked at Paul's perseverance, his incredible perseverance, even in the face of hardship. We've seen Paul's power, something to be considered, but we've got to study one last aspect of Paul before concluding with the epilogue. I want us to look, chapter 3, at Paul's people, his people. We're going to look at his perseverance, his power, and his people. In verses 13 through 16, we find yet another travel itinerary. But unlike the first one in our story, we find this one adds an important aspect. It's a door into Paul's kind of purpose and where he's going. And it says in verse 16 that he wants to go to Jerusalem. Why? He hopes to be in Jerusalem for what reason? To be with them at Pentecost. He passes by other ports that he might be possibly with the people of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. This is no small little word here. Pentecost is a significant word, and you might have no clue what it means or what is significant. Penta is the, the Greek word for five, but Pentecost is something that has to do with 50 days after an event. But what I want you to see more than anything is that Pentecost is the day that ties God's people from Old Testament to New Testament. It's the very act, the very moment, the day that the Old Testament people of God and the New Testament people of God are combined together. So Paul wants to be with the people of God on the very day that is very significant to the people of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me explain this to you. In the Old Testament, the day of Pentecost had a couple of different ways to be understood. Jewish tradition had different ways of understanding it. But, but Leviticus shows us that Pentecost was the, was the culmination of the Feast of Weeks. Fifty days after the Feast of Weeks begun, they would celebrate this 
this day of Pentecost. And they would do this. Now, as Jewish kind of studies would go on, they started to see this day of Pentecost as the day in which the 50 days after the day the Lord gave his people the law of God on Mount Sinai. The Old Testament people of God saw that day as very significant. But the day of Pentecost was also very significant for the New Testament Christians as well. For the New Testament people of God. If you might recall, the day of Pentecost is in Acts chapter 2. And it's the day that the Spirit of God descended upon the hearts and minds of his people in that room in Acts chapter 2. To where there was tongues of fire on their head. And they were able to preach and speak. And on that day of Pentecost, the church of God grew by 3,000 souls when Peter preached. The day of Pentecost was a significant day. The day of Pentecost is a day that ties the people of God together. The old covenant and the new covenant. Into one people. And Paul wants to be with God's people on the day of Pentecost. The day that combines the Old Testament and the New Testament. Paul is a person of the people. He loves his people, Jews and Christians. Perhaps you know this in Romans 9, how he talks about his love for his Jewish people. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, the Jews, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul loves his people, but he also loves his church people. Writing to the Corinthians in chapter one, he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Paul loves his people. If you want to know Paul, you got to know his people. Paul's people drives everything about him. You can't, you know, those of you that are Arkansans in here, there may be a day when you leave the state of Arkansas. But the state of Arkansas ain't ever leaving you. So if you move to New York, you are going to be proud of the fact that you are from Arkansas, and that's understandable. But you can't take the Arkansas out of the Arkansan, and that's respect. Arkansas is who you are. It's the same with Paul and, and who his people are. If you want to know Paul, you got to know his people. He's a man of the people. We see this. This is Here's Paul right before you, but what do we make sense of it? What are the lessons that we can learn from this man who, who has great perseverance, who demonstrates great power, and who is a man of the people? How do we summarize this? I've got simply three ways that, that he and his life is beneficial to us. Three really quick in a concluding epilogue of his bibliography so that you might buy, find uh, his story and his life beneficial. First, Paul's story is beneficial to us in how we read the Bible. Paul's story is beneficial to how we read the Bible his upbringing in the Jewish faith and his understanding of the Old Testament is so vital to how we understand the New Testament. If we don't understand the Old Testament, we will not understand Paul's writing. If you don't understand what he's, what, what's going on in the first five books of the Bible, there's no way that you'll be able to read Galatians 3, Romans 4 with any sort of understanding. 
So when we understand that Paul is a person of the people, we understand a little bit more about his writing. And understanding about his writing will help us read the Bible. But think about Paul's perseverance. This is, this is something that's really helped me as I considered it this week. When I think about Macedonia and the fact that he went back to Macedonia time and time again amidst great perseverance and, and tribulation, what do you think that, that does when I read his letter to the church in Philippi, which is in Macedonia? Does it not give it more color? You know, Philippians is the book in which he is, he is so encouraging. He, he, he is so thankful for the, what God has done in their life. And when you read the first chapter of Philippians, in light of all that took place in Macedonia, Lydia becoming a Christian, the jailer becoming a Christian, the person with a python spirit, you know, being set free. When you start to read that and you think about how the church is being gathered and you're reading this letter to the church in Philippians, you start to read that letter a little bit differently. It has more color and character. And you go, this text is so much more interesting than if I were just read it and to study it line by line. There's a real person with real people writing a real letter to these people. And it has so much more life. And the scriptures come alive. You study Paul, and you get to read the Bible in a lot more light, with a lot more beauty, and a lot more, if I dare say, excitement. Paul provides us a beautiful window into how the scriptures truly are the word of God. It's beneficial to how we read the scriptures. But Paul's life, secondly, is beneficial to how we live. There is one thing that I was astounded by as I, as I was thinking about all these things. There's one thing that I was astounded by that Paul says over and over and over and over again to the church in all of his letters, press on, press on, press on, keep going, imitate me, imitate me, imitate me. Paul told the church time and time again to imitate me. When we consider the perseverance that he, that he had, and he when we consider the trials and the tribulations that he faced over and over and over again, and he kept pressing on this word to imitate him, this, this charge on us to, to follow in his, his footsteps takes suit. Church, you will be persecuted. Jesus told us this. Paul tells us this. It's going to happen. Consider even Psalm 60, which we read today. Sometimes the Lord is going to kind of step away, not abandon us, but it's going to feel like, man, hell's coming down on us. God, where are you? Press on. The Lord is not abandoned. Paul demonstrates this incredible faith to press on even in the face of hardship and persecution. And friends, this needs to be imitated. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Follow Paul. You know, WWJD was really popular like in the early 2000s. And if I'm honest with you, I grew really kind of tired of it. <sighs> oh, gosh. I just have to uh, obey to get God's love. But Paul talks a lot about emulating him. Okay, yeah, we don't, we don't follow the law of God to get God's love. We have the love of God. There's a reason why we need to follow the law. There's a reason why we are called to follow him. And we might not understand it. But guess what, church? WWJD ain't a bad thing. 
Let us follow in the footsteps of this man who called us to imitate him, who persevered in the face of hardship. We might not understand. We might not understand all that's taking place, but we are called to stand firm and to persevere as Paul persevered. So Paul's story is beneficial to how we read the Bible. It's beneficial to how we live. But lastly, it's beneficial to how we view God. If there's anything that I want you to take from Paul's story, it is how amazing our God is. If you recall, Paul is in this long line of Jewish and Christian prophets who had the power to resuscitate and to resurrect. But the story how he got there is actually far more incredible than his ability to raise Eutychius from the grave. If you recall, Paul was a Jew, a zealot, and persecutor of the church. And in but a moment, the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus and changed his life in a moment. Three times this story is recounted in the book of Acts. Once the time when it actually happened, and then twice when Paul recounts this to people in his ministry. He used his testimony in all of his ministry to say, look, I was a persecutor of the church, but now I'm a promoter of the church. How did that happen? My God. My God has the power to change people who are going, who are diametrically opposed to God, to take them from that to make them absolutely in line with God. The power of God is to take those who are spiritually dead and to make them spiritually alive. Paul's life shows us the power of God to take those who are dead and to make them alive. And Paul is the picture of that. And here's where this gives us hope. Two different ways. If you are a Christian, you are a miracle. You have been resurrected by the power of God. Spiritually, you are alive. And this is because our God is able to bring the dead to life. Rejoice. Rejoice. If you're not a Christian, and that, that might be you, here's what I want you to see about Paul's life. There's hope for you. There is hope for you. You might think, God could never have anything to do with me. I, 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 I am so, I do things that God has said not to do, and I do it 10 times over. And the things that God tells me to do, I do the exact opposite. That is nothing. For the God of Paul and the God I proclaim to you. The power of God can take sinners and turn them into saints. And he does it all the time. Doubt not the power of God. If this is you, there is hope for you. Paul's life is that picture. You see, biography is so important. Yeah, we can hate it. We can disagree with the way that maybe authors present certain people, but there ain't nobody who's a, you know, there ain't no angel, ain't no saint, there ain't no, like, perfect person. Even if they're presented as if they're this apostle, they, they've got insecurities. They've got problems. We just get to read all the success stories. Paul's the same way. Church, we have a God who is able to save and every single Christian biography reminds us of that. So let's continue to study biographies. But more than anything, let's reflect on this person named Paul. 
who had perseverance to be emulated after, who loved the people of God, and understanding his love of the people helps us understand scripture, but who's been transformed by the power of God, that we see this God who is able to save even those who are so far lost, including you. It points us to Jesus. I hope you look to him now. Let me pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for Paul. Thank you for the ways that you have made him. Thank you for the ways that you used him. Thank you for the ways that he has, has pointed to you. Indeed, his whole life points to you. He persevered because of you. He had power because of you. He was connected to the people of God because of you. Oh, it's all because of you, oh Lord. So you are the one to be praised. You are the one to be magnified. And I pray, oh Lord, that this church would be a people who magnifies and looks to you, the author of our salvation, the one who uses people who are opposed to you for your own good. You are a great God. Oh, may we be a people that praise you, oh Lord.